My fourth grade history teacher once told me, if you don't fucking vote Gilmore, you can't bitch. That's sound advice. That's why we here at Nowhere California want to encourage you to go to vote.org where you can learn all about voter registration and what you can do to have your voice heard, which will eventually help you deter from uh, things like what my seventh grade teacher said, which was, if you don't touch it, you're not going to get the A. Welcome to Nowhere California Presents Why Not Pump Up the Volume. Per our tradition, this is our spoiler alert. If you haven't watched the 1990 movie Pump Up the Volume... What the fuck is wrong with you? This shit's a classic. Any kind of spiritual godfather of podcasting. Samantha Mathis and boobies in this one. Holy shit. This movie was so good, one of the actresses became a porn star. We'll cover that. Holy crap. I guess, I mean, if you haven't seen it, then we're spoilers ahead, but man, get with it. What the fuck? So, as usual, if you haven't seen the movie, stop, go watch it, and come back. But for now, it's time to eat your cereal with a fork and do your homework in the dark. Everybody knows that the dice are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody and that was the sultry, sexy the tones of Leonard Cohen's Everybody, everybody Knows. Everybody knows. I'm so fucking glad that we're back to using real music. Hey, we're not sponsored anymore, so we don't have anybody answer to for our crudeness or explicitness or copyright stuff. Sure as fuck don't. Yeah. Bitches. Sorry. Oh, no. Feel free. We'll just get back to begging for cash from our listeners. Hey, there we go. Yeah. Shirt project coming soon. (laughs) Anyways, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm... When we decided to do Pump Up the Volume next, I knew it was going to be time to bring back music because... Seriously, I mean, I it's love got that one of the best song. soundtracks. Oh, yes. And we'll definitely be diving into that. But for right now, I think we might want to just delve right into the cast. So this film stars, like I said, the uh, hunky Christian Slater. Yes. As uh, Mark Hunter. Or, or Happy Harry Hardon for those dirty folk. Yes, his... Uh, his, his I, want to, I almost said online or podcasting moniker. Holy yes. shit! It's yeah. a precursor to all that. Well, know? like I said, this movie is a spiritual godfather to podcasting. Oh, it really and, is. and honestly, it, it is a spiritual godfather to this fucking show. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I, and I think it is to, to mainly a lot of shows. You know, you can't really think of branching out and doing something that isn't sanctioned by a station or yeah. the FCC or anybody else. At least we can do this without being show. chased by the FCC. True. <laughs> yeah. Very true. And let me tell you, whoo, whoo. Do they get up your ass over stuff? Oh, yeah. Um, I worked in the radio industry, folks. I know. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, so yeah, I, I, I did order of popularity, so I'm going to throw the next one out there uh, just because it fucked you up. Yes, it did. <laughs> We're talking about Samantha Mathis and her boobies, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, okay. No, no. I was <laughs> talking about uh, Seth Green. Yes. Now, uh, I had said right I'm like, look at Seth Green. Look how young he is. And you were like, that's not Seth Green. You looked at me like I was a complete fucking idiot. Yeah. And I, for a moment, I was all, wait, but is it? Yeah, it, it was. It is, isn't it? And you were like, no, that's that kid from Salute Your Shorts. I will put my life on the line. I'll put my dick on the chopping block. Yeah. And uh, how's the new vagina? And then we went to IMDb. <laughs> Actually, I didn't even press the issue. He came back to me later and was like, holy shit, that was Seth Green. Yeah. Well, like, he's 14 or 12 or whatever he was. Because it looked like the dude from Salute Your Shorts or uh, Eddie Furlong's buddy from uh, Terminator 2. Which I think is one and the same. Yeah, but pretty much. it's... Because, uh, what was, T2 was like 93? Yeah, 93, yeah, 92. 92, 93. So, yeah, it wasn't too far off the mark. But this was, you know, our original wisecracking redhead. Yeah, because also, too, uh, Seth Green was also in that immortal classic, Airborne. 
Oh, that's right. The inline skating movie. Yes. Holy a future shit. possible why. And uh, kind of the shitty little redheaded stepchild to uh, Gleaming the Cube. Yes. Another Christmas later venture. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we have uh, Samantha Mathis as Nora De Niro. One of my uh, favorite on-screen God. crushes. Damn, she was hot. Um, like, I'd kill to have known a girl in high school like that. Actually, I did know a couple girls like that in high school. Never showed me their boobs. never fucking cool enough to get those girls. Oh, yeah. The mar- Minus being Christian Slater, if it was just some random jag-off in high school, Mark Hunter in high school would never right. get a girl like Samantha Mathis. Right. The so. artistic hot girl Samantha Mathis. Oh, and, and they were my favorite, too. You know, I had that, that kind of gothy... Just hot. Oh, so fucking yeah. hot. And um, brainy and smart and oh, good lord. Absolutely. Just, you know, you have uh, Cheryl Pollock as uh, Paige. Paige. Uh, I'm trying to remember her last name. Shit. She was. She's the goody two shoes like valedictorian. She's shit. the one that blows up her. Yeah, it's the one that like uh, and uh, one of the sexiest scenes in the entire oh, world. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, she is so incredible. Incredibly hot in her anarchist rage right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was fantastic. So uh, you get uh, Billy Morissette, who plays uh, Maz Mazzilli. He was the kind of punk rocker kid who was like, fuck you. Like, you know, yeah. I, you know, happy hair art on is, is my guy. Like, that's, you know. I have a right to an education. You exactly. get popped by a teacher. <laughs> yeah, you fucking did. Uh, who else we got in here? We got. Uh, Oh, 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 here we go. Here we go. Uh, well, we'll go with Andy Ross first. Uh, as, yeah, as Loretta Crestwood, the shitty fucking principal. Oh, God. A good freaking villain. <laughs> Great villain, because she even has a, a point where, like, the superintendent of the school district calls her, and she, you know, clearly says... Well, it's Mark's dad. Yeah, well, so yeah. I'm going to be coming down there. Oh, that, is he the superintendent? No, he's the, he's like the special investigator. Like he's he's like probably one step below the superintendent. Oh, because I I think he gets almost. I, I could have swore she was saying something like too directly. The, the I know. I think it was him. Maybe it was. Yeah, but she. Said, but he has, he has like, like the title of like some kind. It's like a superintendent title, right? And she's like, "You will not come down here. This is still my school. This is still my campus." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, damn, Iron Fist." Yeah, Iron Fist. Uh, let's go with the Holly Sampson as Cheryl Biggs. Yes, this is the star we alluded to in the uh, opening. Oh, yeah, this is the porn star, because, I mean, it's like, shows all these glamour shots, and then it's just flat out, like, red negligee, huge it, cleavage. Well, then you dive into her IMDb. hardcore porn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she did hardcore porn. One of those IMDb profiles where they're just like, we're not going to skirt the issue. <laughs> right, right. Backdoor sluts nine. <laughs> yep. Uh, we had one of the Zappa kids in here, Ahmet. Yeah. Uh, he's in the film. Uh, let's see. Who else did we have in this one? Also uh, starring Jill Jarris as uh, Mrs. Kaiser. The who, awesome English teacher. Yeah, the one who like believed in free thinking and progressive you know, thought. And, and, and not being an asshole. Yeah, not being a fucking piece of crap. Like Actually giving a crap the, about the students. Yeah, and then we also had uh, let's in which see, she, Mr. Woodward. To oh, kind of yeah. jump to the end with her, she kind of is the one that kind of brings her down, Miss. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was deservedly so. Oh, yeah, big time. she had been fucking with teachers and stuff like that, yeah. staff and all that. We had Jeff Chamberlain in there. Uh, this, it threw me off because uh, he's got this nice smile on his IMDb page. But in the movie, he was nervous as fuck as the counselor who, uh, you know, tried to screw with many of the students' lies. In, uh, Mr. Woodward. And gets the wrath of Mr. Happy oh, Harry. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Gets prank called, uh, what, twice? Yeah. Two, two three times? In the show, and uh, let me see what else we got on here. I, you know, like that's that's kind of the uh, the, the main. Oh, who who played uh, Miss uh, Crestwood's uh, uh, lackey? Oh, the uh, okay. the guy that pops um, uh, Max uh, Murdoch. Yeah, I believe it is. Yeah, yeah, Andy Romano. 
Yeah, a good second foil. Yeah, he was uh, he was an interesting dude. He was, uh, um, you know, he was just kind of that guy that had that fucking... We all knew him in high school or junior high or something. The he vice was, principal. He was that guy that had the uh, the keys on a on a retractable fucking keychain attached to his belt. And, yeah. Yeah, just just an absolute toolbox, you know, a lap dog for uh, Miss Crestman. Well, like in the one of those scenes well, where um, Nora gets taken up to the principal's office where they're like, what do we do? It's like, we're going to check your files and find out. Yeah, oh, pfft. such bullshit. Really reflects in kind of today's society as well. Too. Yeah. So. Reminder: uh, go vote. Yes, get out. Vote.org. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be hearing about that until November, people. <laughs> so there was uh, there was three three wins and five nominations total. Oh, it did win awards. Yeah, in the award ceremony. I don't get your hopes up. I don't think there's anything major. Uh, let me see. Uh, this is for the DeVille Film Festival. I don't know what this was, but it was the Audience Award winner. Um, Audience awards are important. Yeah. The Kuda Kuda winner. Um, it was a tie. Alan Moyle, Critics Award nominee. I think it was the director. Uh, let me see. Film Independent Spirit Awards. Oh, uh, got his Independent Spirit Award. Yeah, wow, it was nice. A nomin- well, it was a nominee for oh, Best nominee. Feature on that one. And then, let me see. Nominee, nominee, nominee. Uh... Oh, the, at the Seattle International Film Festival, which is another pretty big one. The Golden Space Needle Award winner uh, for Best Film. Nice. Yeah, 1990. So, I mean, it, it has its uh, mishmash of awards that it, that it racked up at some point. But, um, yeah, well, I mean, what a, what, a, what a gem of a film, dude. Oh, yeah, I, I love this movie. And so when you came and, to me with it, I was like, fuck, yeah. And then the, something definitely to point out, too, is the man behind the, the camera, the director, Al Moyle. Yeah. You definitely got to point him out. And he was the sole writer, too. Right. That's right. Uh, written and directed by Alan Moyle. You know, yeah. that's that's very that's a uh, Sylvester Stallone style right there. Exactly. Know? And uh, one of the he has a good history of movies. And one of them that really stands out as kind of in the same vein of this movie, Empire Records. He oh, directed really? Empire Records. Yeah. A very good, like underrated gem. Like, great. Great film. I love Empire Records. Um, I want to say this is he I think he's from Canada or. At least there's some recognition to uh, Hubert Humphrey High, being uh, which is the setting for the school. Yeah. Uh, yes, the alliterative, uh, alliterative Hubert Humphrey High. But also to the alliterative part of also to Happy Harry Harlan. Happy Harry Harlan, which is exactly why he has that. So yeah. It also says you know it's it's in Arizona, but it was done in like Santa Clarita, exactly. California, or whatever. Well, yeah, that's one of the things that's pointed out. Like I think in the trivia is like it's. It's done in Arizona, but you can clearly tell palm trees and yeah. <laughs> all this other stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting, but uh, <clears throat> um, I think it's time to just dive right into the movie. Absolutely, I would agree. Yeah, and uh, right off the bat, and this is going to be one of those uh, why nots where it's not really like dissecting and finding meaning and everything because this is a straightforward <laughs> teen movie, teen angst movie. Very much a teen angst movie. It was it was giving a voice to a generation of people. Uh, you know, the nineties were. <clears throat> The 90s were a time where we were coming out of, of... Reagan era. Yeah, basically, you know, not just Reagan era, but the, you know, kind of the whole, uh, like, this is the backslide of the, the, the Reagan era. The uh, the angst is starting to come in. Yeah, it's, you know, the, it's not just uh, the Breakfast Club stuff anymore, you know, which yeah. is great, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But well, it started, is, uh, it started a new a, era of teen angst. Yeah, and it's, a, you know, teenagers finding their, like... Uh, their, their middle voice, finger? Their voice in a new... Yeah, but I mean, um, even... Even like the ones who were thought to be doing well, 
you know, wind up being you know, like Paige. Yeah. For instance, you know, just she's a straight A student and everything, but you realize too that her dad's such time. an overbearing dick. Yeah. And also too, there's that um, theory of like after the microwave blows up and everything, she shows up to the parent meeting afterwards. Her nose. Yeah. That he fucking hit her. Yeah. 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 It, because a lot of people are probably thinking at first like it didn't blow up that hard, but then you dissect the situation a little bit more. It's like. Oh fuck! Yeah, she probably got hit. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's just it's a way for you know it's like this is the gateway for kids to find their their voice in the early yeah. early nineties or nineteen ninety as it were in this case. So um, huge departure from your like Ferris Bueller's and shit like that. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> but still a fantastic uh, fantastic coming of age kind of. You know? oh, oh exactly yeah, yeah. because so. you look at the main character you look at Mark he's he's. Basically, that prototypical no one in school. He stays in the hallways during right. lunch, reading a book. His teacher compliments his writing, but he's just like, uh, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, like, no, don't bring it up again. <laughs> it sounds familiar from someone's life. I'm not pointing at myself. <sighs> yeah, yes, folks. It's pretty, it's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, it's, it's pretty on the nose from my standpoint in high school and middle school and junior Except high his heart doesn't look so happy it's, yeah it's a little sad and lonely yeah. for some reason emphasize lonely <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he's that he's that typical face in the crowd at school and but then he gets home he, his dad is a um wherever he is in the school i know he's not a superintendent but he's like yeah, he's a, like a like a deputy to the superintendent yeah basically and his room. mom is a stay on mom what it seemed like I thought she did something else. I can't yeah, remember what it was. But, they, but just know. just a general home situation, but then he has his setup in the basement of a pirate radio station. It's very like a um, forewarning to the future of this generation. And, and it's because uh, a couple of times, I, I believe, it's Mark's parents talk about how they were rebellious and stuff when they were younger <laughs> as well, you know. And yeah, so yeah. now they <laughs> represent everything that he lashes out against. So... It's just one of those things that teaches you that it's, you know... It's, it, it, it's, it's a circle. Yeah, it it's a circle. And it moves in, in wide, concentric circles. Yeah. And he gets paperwork from his dad. He knows everything that's going on, but he knows right. he can't really say, oh, I know this stuff. Right. Like, can't divulge how he, he learns... Uh, you know, the shit that the counselor pulls. And yeah, but then uh, it, it kind of just rolls from there, but it gets to a point, though, where uh, he gets a letter from Mike, Malcolm Kowser. Yes. Ma Malcolm Kowser. Yeah, I'm broaching the name. Yeah. And ends up, uh, the kid kills himself. But it rattles his cage because, you know, the, the, the kid talks about it, and he doesn't really expect him to do it. Yeah, it, well, well, for Mark, it's just kind of like, oh, I'm just doing this thing, and this kid's probably either joking around or just... Right. He needs to vent. He needs to let it out a little bit, not thinking, like you said, after the fact, like he never said, don't do it. Right. And... You know, so the kid does, and uh, that immediately kind of launches the... Investigation on him. Yeah, it, it, well, it accelerates things from being uh, um, kind of an innocent, um, you know, pirate radio sort of thing. It's really not hurting anybody. Yes, it's growing in popularity, but nothing's really happening to now all eyes are, are going to be locked on him. Who the fuck thought the kid was going to do it? You know? Exactly. I mean, it even takes Harry by storm, you know, like, you know, Mark, Mark's definitely like, wait, whoa, what, what the fuck? Well, he pretty much almost, yeah, packs almost it in. throws it in. Almost his whole thing in until uh, our very. 
uh, highbrow investigative. Oh God, just sexy as hell. Well, yeah. Well, at first though, Mark doesn't know who she is, right? And right. she doesn't exactly know he, who he is because she's known as the Amy Beat Me Lady through right. the Happy Harry Show. He, she just writes in letters. Sexy, sexy, sexy letters. Sexy, dirty poetry and uh, stuff yeah. like that, yeah. And, but she is currently investigating who it may be at school. She realizes it's somebody in the school, but who? So she listens and has this whole investigative yeah. wall where she's oh. trying to pinpoint. So he sits on the stairs at lunch. Yeah. And so, you know, and at one point she actually uh, considers it Mark. And then crosses him off the list like, no, no, he's cute, but it couldn't be him. You yeah, know, because she like, confronts him in the hall and he's just like, uh, don't. Oh, which is one of our favorite weird moments because she recommends Lenny Bruce. Oh, no, he's returning Lenny oh, Bruce. Oh, that's right. He's returning to Lenny Bruce. Yeah, yeah, and that's something we'll, we'll develop, talk about a little bit more in the, the trivia portion. Right, right. But yeah, um, no, she, he recommends it to her. That's right. Yeah, because she, he returns it yeah, and she's like, you have an overdue fee on this. And he's thinking, like, she's going to point him out on something, and it's like, oh, fuck, okay. And then confronts him in the hall, and he's just like, I need an adult. Yeah. Hot hot, hot girl talking to me here. I lived in my pants. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that type of girl talks to me in the hallway. seriously. Um, Uh, I'll I'll, I'll stumble like I'm stumbling now. (laughs) But she's, you know, like, she sets out to be the badass who figures out who it is. And then when she realizes who it is, and what he's doing and the voice that he has and all this stuff. She wants to support him in every way she can, but he's really reluctant. He's really like, I don't, you know, like a kid fucking killed himself. Yeah. What am, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to bounce back from that right. and be able to keep talking the way I do and everything like that? And then she shows him his her, her, her boobies. <laughs> oh, they're spectacular. Too. Yeah. But I remember I, I but, worked it, out that it was... You know, the filming had to have been done in very cold weather because they're oh, yeah. showing their their breath. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that poor girl. Yeah, poor girl. But yeah. also, too, minus minus the flesh. She keeps reminding him though, like, no matter what, you have the voice. You may not want to talk about it. Yeah. But you've started something that has to go. Right. It has right. to keep going because there there's bullshit going on here. Yeah. And you have the balls enough to do. You can't talk in, to me right now. Yeah, exactly. Like, but you get behind that mic, and you can do wonders. You're the one that, that, that has inspired us. Whether you intended to do that or not, you gave voice to our generation. Like you gave voice to the the wrongdoing that's happening. At, you know, uh, <laughs> Triple H. Yeah. Um, it's a turning point for him because he has to realize that his voice on the radio means more than just. Just him venting or, you know, playing his Leonard Cohen record. Or well, yeah, it's like how he record. talked about the initial reason he even started because right. he, they moved from the East Coast and he wanted to be able to talk to his friends back home but right. realized, ain't going that far. Right. But then it just kind of snowballed from there where he started doing the calls and everything, setting up the cordless phone receiver in his neighborhood's house. Yeah, I was all, I want to know where they found that fucking uh, cordless phone because, you know, we... He had some pretty top-of-the-line models back in our yeah. day, and uh, I don't ever remember him having, like, a thousand-foot fucking... Yeah, that, that, that's horseshit. That's yeah, horseshit right there. Uh, nope. Because if it was a legit thing, the cops would have been like, okay, so it must be in these five houses here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> There's no way in hell it's the distance that they were talking. Right. Unless if, like, there was a big freaking freeway between his backyard and that neighbor's. 
Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because because they never really showed like over the wall where they were having their conversation, their their shirtless conversation. Oh, that's very true. Yeah. You know, they kind of dance around and oh, very sexified. Yeah, we even talked about that a little bit too, where like she's just standing there with her shirt off in his backyard, and it's almost like there has to be a neighbor going like, "Honey, you've been washing that dish for like." 20 minutes. Uh, Leave me alone! It's the last spot. It's the last spot. It's very nice you spots. Know, it's funny because it's one of those things where a lot of people could could conceive, you know, like, uh, have the conceived notion that her, her nudity was just nudity. You know, yeah. like, uh, for the sake of. But I think it it was a huge testament to the strength of her character. Oh, yeah. That she was able to be that confident in a moment where she wasn't sure what was going to happen. Well, that's she exactly. She was willing to take the risk. Well, you look at that scene. You look at her character. Mm-hmm. She, we talked about her, her even being that girl in high school that I'd be fearful to hang out with, but she'd be mm-hmm. the one to step up and like, yeah. you're interesting. I'm going to hang out with you. And yeah, I was like, hey. oh, why, why, why? And I knew people like that. Oh, same that, here. that I knew very much. It was like, you know, like, hey, but, what the fuck are you eating today? And you're like, uh, uh the, like, that sounds like shit. The taco know. salad from yeah. the cafeteria. But then you also roll with like how we were just talking about how he was standing there with no shirt on and saying like, I can't talk to you. I can't talk to you. So she's like, fuck it. I'll be like you. No shirt. Right. You know, doesn't this make you, uh, does it make you more comfortable? Yeah. Uh, in, in ways I don't want to talk about right, right now. Right. You know. I wish I was wearing looser jeans. Because <laughs> <laughs> this hurt. Yeah. Uh, and it's really obvious. Yeah. But um, you know, it was it was her way of, of saying, "Look, I'm 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 no different than you. I'm, I'm yeah. You know, like I have this voice too, and you need to know that I support you and I'm yeah. behind you. you. You need this support. Yeah. You need to know that you have people out there. Yeah. And if if you're vulnerable in this moment of talking to me, then let me let me bring myself to a level where I'm just as vulnerable. Yeah. You know where I I'm in a situation where you could very easily ridicule me. And, you know, not that he would. Yeah. But... If that would have happened and yeah. been like, nope, I'm done with this I'm movie. I'm done with this movie. I'm out. Yep. But, um, yeah, so it was just a, it was kind of a cool moment of solidarity and stuff Oh, like yeah. That. Plus, it, it gave him a great scapegoat when his parents came busting. Oh. And were like, we heard you down here talking. And we came back from the PTA meeting. And what the fuck's going on? And, you know, who are you talking to? Okay. Okay. I'm going to tell you the truth. And she stands up. That sexy off the shoulder, you know, sweatshirt thing like. And his freaking mean. dirty old dad. <laughs> yeah, oh, dad, his dad was all pretty. Got him laid though, because as soon as we went upstairs, he was like, "Like father, like son." I'm all, "Mom's getting laid." Yeah. <laughs> yep. So. Oh god, uh, I would put a drill to my head if my dad was just like a oh, dirty dog. I'm like, dude, don't know. Puked in my mouth a little bit there. I guess it's time to roll into, I guess, the climax. Honestly, because we kind of discussed. Well, it led to this finale where the shit starts in the van. Right. And, and the, the FCC, FCC is called in. Yeah, they're called in to triangulate his position based on... No, and I don't think it would even work that way back in the 90s. Uh, who knows? With big yellow trucks with FCC written on the side. Right. Yeah, like they probably would have pulled up some truck that had like a, a radio transmission it, blocking it, system. It had been, yeah, exactly. The blocking system or like just black vans kind of just yeah. casually rolling around, not freaking triangulating and everything but that would make it a boring movie <laughs> yeah exactly you because know, here they come and then we get the finale where he decides okay you know what I gotta do this so I'm gonna borrow my mom's jeep 
Yeah. Um, and then go Radio Shack on its ass. Exactly. <laughs> so they, they, you know, build themselves a remote transmitter and uh, an amplifier for their their uh, antenna. Yeah. And, um, you know, like a, um, a pulse booster and all that stuff that'll help them connect and, and be able to broadcast. Be, go, be able to go remote. Right. So, you know, they need to keep the show going. Um, so they... They tear ass off, you know. She's driving the the mom's jeep while he's setting everything up, and you know, getting all involved in it. So yeah, there's a piece of trivia we'll be yeah. diving into that momentarily. <laughs> of it too. <laughs> yeah, but um, in, in the grand finale, it leads to them up on a hill. Yeah, seeing the whole media commotion, the yeah. school gathering, and everything, and. In the process, they get chased into it and everything, and this harmonizer, the thing that disguises his voice, gets damaged. So, yeah. so he like, has the momentary debate of, do I stop or do I keep going? Which, yeah, and it's and it's pretty brief because it's just kind of like, okay, this is, it, like, it, I'm committing to this now, it, it, so it yeah. has to be done. Yeah, and gives the final talk of, like, you do what you need to do. We need to, your voice, yeah, do it. Yeah, talk hard, like, yeah. you know. Being and, willing to be heard, be willing to take risks, and it comes into effect the a sequence that I really wish they would have done a little bit more to. Which is when they're getting loaded up and everything. I really would have liked to seen everybody's reaction to it being Mark because his right? teacher's there. Right? Yeah. Well, you know, even I mean, the she's... principal, every, his dad's there. Yeah. And we get the finale of the teacher coming up to the principal and Mark's dad going like, "Take a look at this paperwork," and. Find yeah. out what she's been hounding kids out of here since day one. Yeah, exactly. If there's test scores are low or anything like that, she's been bouncing yeah, she out of there. Yeah, so she And she get, gets all high and mighty and goes, No, I'm doing it for the good of the school. And yeah. his dad's like, uh, No, fuck you. Get out of here. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, and, and it's funny because it, it actually delves into a much deeper situation. Uh, a lot of uh, news coverage and, and uh, I know, uh, parent conferences and things like that up in the high desert here have centered around schools and this incessant need to push state testing and things like that to make sure that they have the highest well, levels possible and stuff like that. I forgot so, where I read it, the article I read, but the writer director, Alan, uh-huh. that crap was happening yeah. like to that level and that's where he got the idea for the script. Yeah. And, it and that, that's one I think where he talks about, you know, uh, uh, Herbert Humphrey's High being... Based in, like it, it's there's an actual school, yeah, but it's in Canada, yeah, yeah, things like that. And so. there was a uh, administration that was yes. hounding out kids and stuff like that, and yeah. it was like, wow, shit, yeah. And but also, too, you look even past the Reagan era to the Bush era and stuff, where it's like no kid left behind and everything like that, where test scores are animate, like fist to table, these kids need to be learning, and, right? Right, and that kind of shown a spotlight on that stuff, too, because. I remember being in school and when the standardized testing was coming up and everything, and it was like, oh, we got prep week. And I'm like, oh, God. Practice your bubbles. Make sure you erase uh, fill, fill them in properly or you're remember screwed. Remember on your desk only. No making designs with your answers. Stop touching yourself under the chair like that, Nick. Oh, wait. That was kind of specific. Never mind. <laughs> that might have just been for me. We get the, and that's the thing, like I was saying, though. I would really like to see the aftermath. Yeah, the fallout. Well, I mean, you kind of it's, it's alluded to it when you hear the different pirate stations. That, pop that's up the all cool over thing. The I do like that part where he does give a speech of like, grab the air, do what you need to do, grab the mic, just say fuck yeah. a thousand times, just do it, and then the credits roll, and we get 
all the different pirate radio stations that have popped up. Everybody knows. And then we get that great soundtrack, that entire oh. soundtrack. We get. We talked about the soundtrack a little bit earlier, but let's go a little bit into that right now. Okay. Because you get Leonard Cohen songs, you get uh, Beastie Boys, you get some Black Flag. Yeah, uh, let me see here. Hold on. So we have Everybody Knows, of course. Um, the Leonard love Cohen, theme of yeah. uh, Pump Up the Volume. <laughs> Which is also, I mean, if, if it sounds familiar to you, it was recently done in a very... Uh, very kind of ethereal and spooky kind of way in the new Justice League film oh, yeah. um, that was in there. Uh, Talk Hard by Stan Ridgway, performed by Stan Ridgway. Uh, Love Comes in Spurts. Uh, Richard Heil, performed by Richard Heil. Um, Leonard Cohen has another one on here called If It Be Your Will. And that was the song that was uh, he played um, during the aftermath of the suicide. Right. Yeah. And uh, great song, too. Yeah. Great song. So, uh, Girls, LGBNAF. Written by Ice-T in Africa. Performed by Ice-T. Uh, Kick Out the Jams by Rob Tyner. Uh, Sonic Smith, all that stuff. Right? And then uh, uh, performed by Bad Brains with Henry Rollins. Okay, so not Black Flag. My no. apologies. Well, yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you got Henry Rollins on here again. And then there's, uh, let me see, uh, Chet Powers Get Together, of course. Uh, Wave of Mutilation, UK Surf, and that's um, The Pixies. Great song. Pixies. Oh, Pixies are amazing. Um, yeah, so let's see who else we got here. Wien, oh, the Wiener Schnitzel, of course. Uh, the Descendants. That's that. Uh, hi, can I take your order, please? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Titanium Expose, Sonic Youth, Adam Horowitz, Adam York, Mike D, also known as the, the Beastie, Beastie Boys. Boys. Love them so much. I've got a secret miniature camera. Uh, written and performed by Peter Murphy Me and the Devil Blues Robert Johnson uh, Done by Cowboy Junkies uh, Why Can't I Fall in Love by Kenny Lee Lewis and John Finley Performed by I'm Ivan Neville Oh that's right Freedom of Speech The one that's written by James Brown And uh, performed by Above the Law uh, Heretic uh, sound. Oh, that's the Soundgarden entry. That's right. Okay, there's another uh, Leonard Cohen one in here, but it's performed by Concrete Blonde. That's the. There's another one. Everybody knows. I think that's the yeah. the one that everybody knows about. The, there's because when you hear the version that we're playing in this episode, yeah. or and the version that you hear during the movie, there's a different take to it than the song you get on the soundtrack. Exactly. You get the original. Everybody knows. Yeah. Uh, it's a little different. So, Dad, I'm in jail. Uh, that was the was not was. They were huge in the 90s. Uh, Tale of the Twister. Um, we got by uh, Chagall uh, Guevara. Fastlane. Um, uh, Urban Dance Squad. Oh, my God. These, so many of these names are just bringing back memory. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stand by Liquid Jesus. Uh, Sly Stone song and all that stuff. So like Sly Amazing Stone. soundtrack. Yeah, it really is. It's, it is the um, and a good foundation for the movie. It was like the if you ever if, if you grew up in the nineties or if you knew people in the nineties, <clears throat> they were the ones that wore the 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 darker clothes, the Doc Martens. The ones that were, the kids were a little bit fucking cooler than everybody else because they were a little bit smarter and seemed like they were just just were able to pull back the veil of our bullshit reality oh, and, yeah. and take a peek behind it and tell you what a, what a hunk of shit it was on the other side too, and. Um, that's that's really kind of just as you know the way that the, the uh, Happy Harry Hardon uh, or Mark in this yeah. instance t- 
took things on. So it's perfect. And speaking of that type of soundtrack, I think to go into trivia, we might be dusting off another piece of soundtrack. And especially since we just lost Judge Harry, I knew we had to bring that back. We need Phil here to bring the the trivia lyrics to it. Trivia. Yeah, that's right. He did put lyrics to it. Phil, you crafty bastard. Admission. Uh, so it's 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 trivia time. Okay, so I'm, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw the mic to you on this one because uh, you and I both were locked in on that same piece of trivia, whether the Jeep was concerned. Yeah. Um, for the original scene for it was basically going to be Christian Slater driving around in it, but unfortunately, yeah. um, he had a couple of DUIs on his ass. <laughs> He'd already had two DUIs at this point. So they, they had to rewrite it. Yeah, because you're like, wow, what a badass, man. What a badass. He's such a rebel. Yeah. He's such a rebel in 1990. Two DUIs already. Couldn't drive. Had his license revoked. That's awesome. Then you get to that next chunk of trivia where you realize he was sick almost the entire time on set. Because of the fucking smokes. <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, I mean, <laughs> you rebel without a cough, I guess. Yeah, a nice way to put it. <laughs> and then also, too, uh, let's throw out a little uh, Lala Slopeman, who played Janie, and Abed Zappa, who played Janie. Oh, yeah, the incest trivia question. Yeah, they were real-life cousins, but played boyfriend and girlfriend on the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little, a little blah on that one, yeah. It just reminds me of uh, Vacation. My daddy says I'm the best kisser. Yeah, uh... <laughs> Kevin Smith was talking about that. Yes. Uh, or he uh, met um, uh, Kim Cattrall yeah. on the match game. Sorry. Okay, and then uh, another good piece of trivia, which we'll kind of jump into something we alluded to earlier. Uh, the writer-director, Alan Moyle, uh, described the character of Mark, or Happy Harry Hardon, as a uh, com- combination of Lenny Bruce and Holden Caulfield. Yeah, and um, that, I mean, that, that was such a big thing because Lenny Bruce does make such an impact in this film. Yeah, and also, too, I was watching it in prep of uh, today, and I texted you. I was going like, okay, I, I have a kind of a what-the-fuck uh, calling bullshit moment. Mm-hmm. What high school in America, even in the 90s, would have a Lenny Bruce book on the shelf? You know, it's funny that you say that because I think certain things do slide by if you don't know who Lenny Bruce who is. Lenny Bruce is. Think of how many um, you know librarians and things like that that we had that just had no fucking clue what oh, was yeah. going on. Or like the librarian on Bob's Burgers, right? Exactly, <laughs> just rebelling against the system. Exactly. Like, Look up Topsy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't read the book. Go. Look up 1984. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Watch the video. Don't read the book. (laughs) It's, um, it's just very interesting because Lenny Bruce, you know, such an inspiration for the character and and everything that goes on in here. And then, you know, makes such a profound appearance. You know, it's like, that's the connecting point between our two protagonists. Yeah. But also too, the only way we saw it was when Nora was working the counter. And so there could be that rebel librarian in the back going like, did he bring that Lenny Bruce book back? Telling all I wanted to do was just bury my face between her legs and listen to her read from that book. Mm. Yep, I said it. Yeah, and I I, I totally agree. Oh, Lordy. Uh, Before we get more dirtiness going, what's the next piece of trivia? Uh, Okay, so this was the first of three collaborations between uh, Samantha Mathis and uh, and Christian Slater. Uh, They did this, then they did the uh, fucking amazing, oh, such a good action film, Broken Arrow. Oh, yeah. I uh, said it very tongue-in-cheek. I mean, it was it was all right. Well, it was, it was okay. Broken Arrow was in that era of let's just blow shit up. 
It really was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you the premise of it, folks, and you can go find it yourself. It's a uh, B-2 stealth bomber that um, is carrying nuclear weapons across the United States, and uh, the codes are for the launch sequence are held by the pilot and the co-pilot collectively, and uh, John Travolta is the other pilot, and the plane goes down, yeah. and he thinks, he, you know, like it's... Uh, it's basically it's a uh, we're selling these nukes to the Russian sort of thing and yeah it's it's it gets really fucking silly. well it's so. in a, it, it was the same era as Face Off. Don't you fucking disparage? Face Off. I am not disparaging Face Off because was, I'm talking. I I dug Face Off. I love The Rock. Any movie where I got to watch Nicolas Cage act out as John Travolta oh, and vice versa, you're just like, what the fuck is happening? That makes it a classic movie. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's fantastic. So okay. Uh, uh, and the third film was uh, Fern Gully: The Last Rainforest, which I remember that now. And I'm like, oh. Who also starred one of our uh, nowhere favorites, Robin Williams? Yes, uh, that's right. Is the the bat? Yep. Yeah, he was the bat in that one, the uh, the one that they experimented on, and he would get uh, electroshock treatments and things like yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah, not my favorite of those ones that came out at that time, but I do remember it pretty distinctly. So yeah, because it was probably still in that vein that when Samantha Mathis and Christian Slater, even Robin Williams at the time, because I think this that predates Aladdin. It does. It does predate Aladdin. By they're a probably few thinking, anyway. oh, I get to be a cartoon character. Well, I mean, yeah, they're like, you know, who who better to play an electrified bat who has multiple personalities than Robin Williams? And then we realized how bad the production was. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, it had its thing. So. And then on to the next one, uh, Samantha Mathis uh, dyed her blonde hair black for the role of Nora, which I didn't realize until, honestly, recently that her natural hair color is blonde. Oh, no, it hurts my heart. Yeah. Because like with the angsty black hair. But yeah. that's exactly it. Yeah. The, the black hair fits the character. Yeah, this blonde yeah. really would not work. It would still be a cool character and everything, but the the black hair makes it work even right. more. See, okay, now this bit of trivia was actually the name of the book. Do you remember the name of the Lenny Bruce book that he returned? No, I don't. Okay, so this is this probably lends a little more credibility to your how the fuck did that end up in a high school? The name of the book, which was borrowed from the uh, library by Mark Hunter, uh, was How to Talk Dirty and Influence People. By Lenny Bruce. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> I could see somebody maybe shuffling that into a how-to category. Yeah. You know, in the old Dewey Decimal System sort of thing. But uh, Or like that random teacher just going, okay, I'm going to blow a kid's mind. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to fuck with this kid straight through. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty interesting there. So The address of the Postal Center USA is 27600 Haskell Canyon Road in Santa Clarita, California. The, chiro- the, the chiropractic business next to it is still there today. So be- oh, yeah. before our illustrious uh, podcaster in arms, uh, Doug, returns to the desert up here, yeah. I think me and him are going to have to venture out. There you go, a little road trip. A little road trip just to see a random location that's not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the location is still there, and I guess the chiropractic yeah. place is still there. But uh, yeah. Hey, yeah. this is coming from the guy that has lost count of how many times he's gone to the gamble house. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, that's that's something I've always wanted to do, which is do kind of that uh, whirlwind, like my own tour, not a guided tour, but my own tour of famous shooting locations within. Oh, yeah. You know, we had one up here for years. I had one up here before it uh, caught fire and they, they tore it down. Which one? Reflections. Oh, the nightclub? Yeah. Oh, wow. You didn't, do you know what, what that's from? No. Kill Bill, Volume 2. Oh, seriously? That's the strip club. 
that Bud works at. Oh wow! Yeah, and it's so when <laughs> I saw it, I was like, "Oh my god!" Because uh, of course it can't be a nice no, nightclub no. or anything and like they that. They show it in all its glory, just yeah. in that shitty parking lot by itself. Yeah, and you're like, "Oh man!" This is oh, um, talking about uh, Sam Mathematis and everything is interesting because in the credits, she's billed as introducing. Yeah, because it was her first film role. It was her first major film role. Right, right. The well, one thing that always stuck out to me that anytime I, tr- I think about Pump of the Volume and always trying to remember different things about it, what was the name of the the hotline? And what was the acronym? Oh, um, I remember the I remember the name of it, but I don't remember what the acronym stood for. Believe it or not, I care. Yeah, bionic. That's yeah. right. And <laughs> when I watched it the other day, getting prepped for this, I was like, yeah. Bionic. What the fuck? Because they tried to put that shit up right after the kid committed suicide. Yeah. They're trying to deter everybody from listening. And to of course, Nora and her friend are just like, Oh, well, it's past the time the hotline's open. Yeah. I'm fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it was it was uh, it was very interesting, but it was. You know, that that movie was one of those ones that it just kind of inspired me. It wanted you to be a little more rebellious and yeah. find your own little voice. Question authority. Yeah. Uh, you know, at least speak loud and let your voice be heard. Exactly. You know, and that, you know, to speak up don't don't fit to the uh to the norm. Which in its in its own made me think of Paige as more of one of the heroes in the movie too, because she was the one that was like I'm tired of being the fucking goody two shoes. Yeah. Like I'm tired I'm of, not perfect. Yeah. You know, and um, like, and I don't want to fucking be perfect. I don't. I'm broken, and I'm I'm this and I'm that. You know, and I, I think it would have been. I'm better dating if, my cousin. <laughs> I think it would have been better if they they had kind of highlighted uh, that. You know, and really touched on the whole instead of alluding to her getting punched. Like, come come to terms with it. Well, I think that, if if it was uh, brought out today, like. Yeah. I think that leads perfectly into how we're going to cap this episode because usually we do the rapid fire list of mm-hmm. what recommendations we want to throw out there and whatnot, but it's kind of hard to figure out lists to coincide with different lists and make sure you side with it. Yeah. Because I've been watching different things. Like I just recently watched uh, Batman Ninja. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is amazing. Yeah, I heard it was beautiful. I doesn't work it. with this. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. So I want to throw out something that kind of lends towards the title of these series of episodes is why not? And it kind of leads into the world of Hollywood we live in lately is the world of remakes and reboots and all that stuff. So I'm going to throw the question out there and we'll both answer it. Can pump up the volume be remade and should it? Why or why not? Yes. Or does it fall into the sacred category where you don't, it's untouchable. It it has its, uh, it has its, its time and its place and you don't, you don't need to fuck with it. Yeah. And uh, I think I'm going to let you answer it first because I think my answer may be a little bit drawn out. Um, and re- uh, as a remake and reboot, it can go under any medium. Okay. Like, so, because we're in the world of Cobra Kai. Right. And that's, uh, you see, like, and that's funny because Cobra Kai brings back this refreshing nostalgia with the, the updated martial arts, you know, kind of feel to it without yeah. it being mixed martial arts. And but also, that. too, it gives the Cobra Kai a a little bit more meaning like we weren't dicks we had a purpose well yeah there, there was a background to it there was there was an understanding of what was going on and there was a camaraderie that was involved in it but it just was like an ill-guided you know uh way to bully at the time you know and, and it was you know it was it is what it is you know we'll, we'll just go with that yeah. but as far as uh as far as remakes i think i think this one viably is potential for an updated version of it using podcasts because podcasts are still such uh, an 
as, as much as you can throw a rock now and hit a podcast everywhere, I still think it's a very untapped, like we haven't hit its full potential yet. Yeah. And, um, well, like the most podcasts we see in the mainstream media is Kevin Smith and then also right. too with Combat Bookman, unfortunately, the dearly departed yeah, Combat Bookman so, for right oh, now. Rest in peace, guys. Great run, though. Yes. So I believe that, that yes, this is, should it be remade? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think this is something that definitely would deserve a remake or a reboot. And I usually am against the, the remakes and the reboots, but I'm all for a generation finding their voice. And... Currently, we live in a society where we look at our, our new generation of, of kids in there that are coming up, and we're like, what? A bunch of fucking whiny? You know, there, there's a lot of stuff that we dump on the newer generation as far as them being weak and all of this stuff, but it would but be interesting too, to see a voice come out of that darkness that would But look at the Parkland kids. Yes, yeah, see, and that's, a, that's, that's the positive, that's the extreme positive to an extreme negative. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, it's the... You know, do you have this without this? And, you know, and, and it's, you don't, you don't in that situation. I'm not saying that those kids weren't talented or didn't deserve anything like that, but it is, you know, when I watched them at the Tony Awards and singing, uh, um, you know, the, the theme from Rent, it was amazing to, oh, yeah. to see them, you know, united and not letting what has happened and the argument for gun control and everything else and being called names and all it didn't keep them down they just kept trudging along and that's a test of character and that is something that that is framed with the youth nowadays and so to to not sound like I'm rambling it, it the parkman kids showed the strength of character that we weren't prepared to see from this what we've perceived as a whiny generation. So seeing a movie where these kids actually have a voice, actually have, you know, be able to discuss the things that they want to discuss. I think it'd be kind of neat to see that medium done, you know, with podcasting and things like that. So, yeah, um, I totally agree with you. And, but I'm, I would take it to a different medium. I would take it to a TV level because there's so many stories to be able to. And honestly, like as I was watching, I pieced into my head. I would have Mark return to Arizona as a teacher. Have him be like the journalism teacher at Hubert Humphrey, <laughs> and I would have his English teacher be the principal. Wow! Because he'd have her hire him, and be like, "I know your work, so I want you to be the journalism teacher." Right. And have him meet a kid that kind of reminds him of him, and just kind of go, "Okay, you, your generation has the podcast right now, so I want you to right. do this." And hands him a tape. He goes, "Listen to this." And then come find me and we'll talk. Yeah. And not even give them something to play it on. Just uh, the kid can have the moment of, what the fuck is this? Yeah, what do I do with this? Yeah, He goes, listens to it, and it's an old episode of Happy Harry Yard on. Yeah. And goes back to Mark and talks up to him like, okay, so what do you want me to do? Like, and have Mark going like, I know you're writing. I know what level. I... For me, I I have to be the teacher and leave it at a certain level for you. Right, right. But with your guys' world that we live in today, you can do more. I know. And develop from that and have a second generation of Happy Harry. And then basically I'd say the first season would be him finding out something about the district. Not the school, since the teacher is the principal of the school and he's there and everything. I wouldn't make it a corrupt school because it would be a little ass backwards. Yeah. But also lead it to where either have Christian Slater decide if he's going to do the whole run of the series or not. But at the end, it gets to a point where Mark has to be fired because the podcast gets 
yeah, to the Happy Harry level. Right. So he has to step in and be like, I'm the one that's causing this. I I have the the past yeah. history in this. And then, of course, to have him have the student go, do you have a lawyer? Do you, and be like, I know one. Bring in some mathematics. Yes, yeah, exactly. As a lawyer. Have him be uh, divorced just because. You know, I don't even think it should be that. I think yeah. it should just be something where it's like they... You know, they did their thing and they moved on to different avenues and, and he went on to, you know, to write. Maybe he wrote a couple of books yeah. and, you know, things like that. And she, you know, they just went their separate ways, but they always had this kind of uh, respect and acknowledgement for one another. And she went on to become a mouthpiece for those that needed to be represented. You yeah. know, those who needed to have that encouragement and that. And know, like I said, need, he needs a lawyer, so. Yeah. Hey, Nora. Hey, Nora, <laughs> would you mind uh, coming over? And then suddenly, you know, they're topless again. And Sorry. sorry. Uh, okay, but th- that that was my idea for the reboot remake is make it a series. Because also, too, like we talked about in the world, we there there needs that, the world needs that voice. And as we sit here behind these microphones, podcasting is that untapped source. It really is, you know. Uh, I, that's why I thought it would be so important that it would be a, a podcast, you know. But... I tell you, my thing with reboots and remakes, they have to be done for the right reasons. Yeah. You know, like if, if, if just as, you know, if it's a thing where just enough time has passed and this was a cool concept 40 years ago and so now they're like, well, let's see what we can do, you know, like an updated version of this, you know, much like uh, the 310 to Yuma. Yeah. Uh, amazing. The original was amazing. And the remake and is it was phenomenal. only surpassed by the original, or by the, uh, the remake. Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, it was phenomenal. Now, if you turn around and try to give me a remake of The Godfather, or and then, yeah. then you know, go fuck yourself, you know, pick and up I th- a flagpole. I think that's going to open a lot of doors for us to start doing this as the closing segment for the Why Nots. Right. Because I know we're going to get to a point where it's like, can this be remade? Sure. Should it be? No. no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were so preoccupied with whether or not you could, you didn't stop and ask yourself if you should. Exactly. You know? I need to get that audio okay. clip done. Yeah, you Malcolm the shit out of this thing. So. Yeah, so I guess with... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no worries. I guess with that being said, uh, this has been the Pump Up Volume Why Not. If you haven't seen it still yet and you listen to this, yeah. s- stop and ask yourself, why not? Why not? Get out and watch it. What the fuck's wrong with you? That's my line anyway. So with all that being said and time to wrap this thing up in a nice little bow, this has been Josh. And this has been Nick. And remember, kids, talk hard. Everybody.